Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, good morning. Glad you're with us today. And if you got anybody happen to be sitting in there, just go ahead and say, good morning, do that. And then say, you look especially nice today. Do that, would you? Yeah, you look especially nice. If you don't have anybody with you, look outside. And, uh, I saw a neighbor's cat in my backyard. You can go ahead and say that to them if you want. But anyway, we hope that you're doing well today. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to take them and turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, this all stemmed from a devotional time that I had several weeks ago when I read this one verse and it just kind of stuck out to me where Paul talks about disputable matters. And we're going to be taking a look at that this morning. We've been in a series called Dear Abba. And uh, I happened to come across, actually, D Dear Abby still runs today, right? And uh, I happened to find one from a few weeks ago. And here's what it said. It said, Dear Abby, my husband loves our cat too much. He buys Miss Kitty, evidently that's what he calls her, special treats, pets her, talks nicely to her, plants quick kisses on the top of her head, and lets her sit on his lap while he watches TV for hours. It's like I'm non-existent. I wish he would be that nice to me. He's a good provider, and we are, we, when we're away from our house, I have his full attention. I'm resenting this queen of our home. What should I do? I'd like to take her back to the animal shelter. Uh, it was my sorry idea to adopt her in the first place. Signed in second place. I think uh, crazy would be another one in there, but that's okay. And by the way... <laughs> Abby says this, um, my first suggestion is to find reasons to spend more time with your husband away from the house, right? Just solve it. Just be away from the house. The second one would be to adopt a dog. And if you do, make sure you're the one who feeds it, walks it, unless your husband has found such an affinity for pets that adopting one just isn't worth the risk. Wow, crazy stuff. And we have crazy things that come up in our relationships that cause conflict. And whether it be something like this or whether it be something a little bit more substantial, we have, we have ideas and we have concepts. If you're in a relationship, you're going to have conflict, right? Conflict is normal. It is natural. And by the way, it's neutral. <laughs> Scripture doesn't indicate that it's sinful or not sinful. It's how you deal with it that makes it whether, whether or not it's sinful or not. And I think sometimes we think that our day and age is the only one that has dealt with maybe some of these foolish arguments or conflicts of this nature. But it's interesting, if you think and you look through Scripture, Paul, Paul and even the apostles, the early church, first century, they had conflicts. And they had conflicts over things that... I don't know, is really worth having conflict over. If you recall, Paul and Barnabas, they actually broke up their ministry and quit ministering side by side based upon the fact that Barnabas wanted to take Mark and Paul didn't want to take Mark. And they had such a serious, how do we say this, disagreement that they parted ways. And Man, that's a disagreement. That's a disputable matter, by the way. Um, it's interesting. Paul says things like this in Philippians chapter 3. makes very strong statements. He says, uh, not that I have already attained all this or have already been made perfect, but he said, I press on to take a hold of that which Christ has, pray, uh, has taken hold of for me. Verse 15, or 14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then he says this. All who are mature, <laughs> and the inference is, is that if you don't agree with me, you're immature. But he says, 
all who are mature should take such a view. And if on some point you think differently, well, then God will make that clear to you. In fact, when I read that, Paul makes these really strong statements. And he said, oh, by the way, you ought to agree with me. Unless you don't. <laughs> and if you don't, he said, God will, God will make that clear to you. Okay, it's powerful if you understand that not everything you're going to die for. Um, he even says this. Now, this is one that I remember even growing up, this was still a conversation. It's whether or not women should have short hair, um, whether or not they should cut their hair. Dan, I, I'm having a problem with whether I should have hair, period. I'm losing it. And there's this whole conversation about what you look like when you're in worship, and Paul talks about women not cutting their hair. And Then he says this. He says, but if a woman has long hair, it is to her glory for long hair is given to her as a covering. Now look what he says in verse 16. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, Pastor Ann, are you going to be contentious on this one? Tammy, are you going to be contentious? i got three people here this morning. I'm having a great time. Here's what he says. If you're going to be contentious about this, we don't have any other practice, nor do the churches of God. What's he saying? Hey, we don't, this is just how we do it. We don't know any other way. Chapter 14, Romans. I want you to see this verse. In fact, this passage is really powerful. From about midway through chapter 13 through midway through chapter 15, Paul begins to talk about how do we come to some sense of agreement on things we just can't agree on and they're just, they're just not worth dying over. Here's what he says. Chapter 14, verse 1. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. That's what caught me. That's the one that caught me. He says, um, he says there are some things that are disputable matters. What does that mean? Well, disputable means is that it's not set in stone. It's not a scientific fact. It's, it's not something that's an absolute and there can be different ways of looking at the same thing. He says on those disputable matters, don't pass judgment. Now it's interesting when you look at this whole thing, uh, I think it was about five years ago, I went back and looked at my notes. I did a, I did a, a message on called Sticky Issues or Love Trump Sticky Issues or something like that. And we talked about that there are different kinds and levels of, of disputable matters. For or there are different values in the church. Let me give them to you real quick. There are biblical absolutes. Biblical absolutes are those things that are universally always true. Okay? Now that's important because that means it has to be true for other countries, Christians who live in other places, not just those who live here in the North America, United States, Canada. It has to be something that is, is a clear biblical standard that is universal anywhere at any time. Now when you start looking at things that way, it does actually shrink that. Then there are principal issues, matters of conscience. These are issues that, based upon our understanding of Scripture, are very important to us. And for us to break those things would be sinful. Okay? Now, these are matters of conscience. Our conscience is clear, Paul says, but I need to make sure my conscience is clear before the Lord. By the way, then there's the third level, which are personal preferences. These are things that sometimes people argue over, but... but 
there really is not a, a biblical foundation for it, and there's not really a strong principle foundation for it. The way I'd like to describe it this morning is this idea, is that there are, if you've got on your notes this morning, if you happen to download the notes, there's a box. There are things that, that they belong in the box, and these things that are in the box are things that are absolute, they are clear in Scripture. For example, um, let me give you a couple of them. Uh, inside the box is part of what we believe. Um, it's the authority of the Word of God. Let me just tell you, it's, the fact is, is that Scripture it has authority in our lives Therefore, we're going to listen to what the Word of God says for our lives. Um, some things like the virgin birth, that's really not debatable according to the Word of God. That is a very important truth that if we do away with the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, we actually do away theologically with his sinlessness as an atonement for us. The fact that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's in my box. It's an absolute that no one comes to the, the Father without the Son. Now, there are many different paths to Jesus, right? Some people come to Jesus in a mission. Some people come to Jesus in a foxhole. Some people come to Jesus through, through very strong contemporary music. Some people come uh, in a church service. Some people come to Jesus in a camp meeting. Some people come. There's all different paths to Jesus, but Jesus is the only path to the Father, there are strong absolutes that belong in the box. And then if you were to put another box on the outside of that, the next box contains those things that are, that are based upon the strong word of God that are, that are strong biblical principles. We could talk about it. Um, for example, the idea of giving and tithing. I'm just going to, and I believe in tithing. Tammy and I have practiced that for years. I will tell you that is not a biblical absolute. It is a strong scriptural principle in fact, Scripture indicates that we are to give generously, and it might even be more than that 10%, but that we ought to, to give. And so we've kind of established that. Now, again, that's hard to make an absolute on that one. Modesty, that's a tough one. Should we be modest? Should we dress modestly? Well, biblically speaking, that we don't want to become a stumbling block to other individuals, that we want to look out for their own purity and their, their mind focus, their attitudes. Obviously, we should apply that, but how do we apply that? That goes into that next box. And then there's the preference box, right? It's the outside box, and those are things that we just love and we think are important because they help us in our spiritual journey. Now, sometimes they're based on our theological background right? Um, it's how we grew up theologically. Um, if you were in this particular passage, there were those who grew up in a Jewish background, those who did not grow up in that background. So there were things that were important to Jews that weren't so much important to everyone else that wasn't a Jew. Um, sometimes it's a cultural background. Some of you will even find this. If you grew up on the East Coast, if you grew up in another country, if you grew up with, if, you, if your ethnicity is different or you're from a different nation, um, you will find that certain things are more important to you because of your culture than they are because of what it, what it specifically says in Scripture. And what's important to you may not be the same thing that's important to someone else. And sometimes, i, I, I got to say this, sometimes it's just personality-driven. There are some individuals' personalities that 
it is by the rules and it is by the book. And the good news is I wrote the rules and I wrote the book. And, and it's got to be done my way. Tammy and I, years ago, we had a neighbor that this was his personality. And literally, he wrote the book. He was a city planner. And anytime we'd have a disagreement, it was like, but he really did write the book on this stuff. And, but he was wonderful, spirit-filled man. And the Holy Spirit has a way of kind of honing and softening that strong personality. Paul, in this passage, gives us a, 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 a caution and then he gives us some challenges as to how to work with each other on disputable matters. Take your Bibles. We're going to work through this passage. And we're going to start in chapter 1. Now, he leaves as the foundation what he writes in chapter 13 uh, because he deals with this. He says um, that the foundation of this whole thing is love, right? Love God, love others. That should always be the foundation for how we work through everything. So he says, let no debt um, remain. This is chapter 13, verse 8. Except the continuing debt of love for, his, for, for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. So as he talks about this whole thing, he says, you really have to check your own attitude. And you have to ask yourself whether or not you, you're loving this person. Let me make one little caveat real quick. You can actually do something that is disputable and you can actually be sinning. It can be wrong. Paul says in this passage that if I do something and I knowingly know that it hurts another, that I'm doing wrong. So just because something is allowed does not mean something is right. As the spirit-filled believer in Jesus Christ, our question should not only be what is allowable and what is not allowable, we should always ask, what is best? Because sometimes something's allowed, it doesn't mean it's the best thing for my life. Look what he says, chapter 14, verse 1. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything. Another man whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? For to his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord, he will stand for the Lord is able to make him to stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, and he gives thanks to God. For who, uh, and he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For no one of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. Now in that first passage of Scripture, we see the first principle, which is actually a caution. And he says, I want to caution you to resist from passing judgment on people. Now that doesn't mean that we don't sometimes pass judgment inside the church on things that are absolutes. Paul does this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 
He has individuals that are in the church that are sexually immoral, and he describes them in chapter 5. And he says, now listen, I'm not going to spend my time judging those outside the church, but inside the church, I am perfectly okay making a judgment on something that is very clear scripturally right and wrong. Okay, Sexual immorality happened to be one of those. But what he does on these disputable matters, he says, but I want you to resist passing judgment on those people who hold a different position. Now it's interesting because he, he says that when you pass judgment, you are doing two things. Number one, you're looking down. You're looking down on them. And he says it in verse 3, he says, don't look down on them, which means what? I see myself at a higher level than that they are. Okay, This is a value statement that says, you know what? I'm better than you because I'm looking down on you. And then he says this, I also, you need to refrain from condemning that person. Now, when I condemn someone on a disputable matter, he says, I am actually taking it upon myself to determine their spiritual state. If you look up that word condemn, just to get a quick idea of what it means, it means to express not only disproval, but to pass sentence for judgment on that person. I'm punishing that person in my mind. And what's really interesting in this passage is that, by the way, the discussion, it's whether or not I'm going to be a caveman a diet or whether or not I'm going to be a vegetarian. All right? He's saying, you know what? If all you're going to do, you might eat everything. Dan, you and I, I think we eat everything, right? We're, we're probably, I'm not a vegetarian, you know? But he says, but he says some people will only eat vegetables. And what's interesting is that those who are vegetarians, they pass judgment and what condemn those who don't and those who eat everything or maybe they're doing the caveman or the what is that paleo diet. He says they're passing judgment. He says both individuals think they're right and both individuals think they're better than the other person. He says, hey, Hold back from that. Three times in this passage, he says it in verse 1, verse 4, verse 10, verse 13. I take that back. Verse 1, 10, and 13, he says, don't judge that person. Don't see yourself higher than them. And don't take it upon yourself to punish them. Refrain from judgment. Then he gives us three challenges. And the first one's actually found in this passage. The first one is acceptance. I got a few people in here. Say it with me. Ready? Acceptance. One more time. Let's do it. Ready? Acceptance. Oh, that makes me feel so encouraged just to have somebody say this with me. Acceptance. What does it mean? It means to receive someone as adequate to come near me. Now look what he says. Accept him whose faith is weak. Accept one another, verse 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. By the way, why? In order to bring praise to God. He's talking in the body of Christ that there are times that we simply just need to accept one another. That word, by the way, accept, I love the word. It's pro-slumbano. Pro-slumbano. It sounds like an Italian sub. That's what I always think of when I say it. Pro-slumbano. Lumbano is the word to receive or to accept to myself. Uh, pro means I'm doing this strongly toward myself. So he says, what? I want you to know that I am going to draw you near to me in fellowship. That's what acceptance means. 
So he's not saying, hey, that's just their opinion and you stay away. He says, no. He said, he said I want you to know that, I, that your, your value to me and your inclusion is not going to be determined by this issue. Now, it's interesting because in Acts chapter 15, there was a big issue that arose in the church. The, the message of the gospel was going out to the Gentile nations. And it started in the Jewish culture and the Jewish religion. Jesus was a Jew. And so for Jews, it's really important as part of their belief system, as part of their covenant with God, that they would be circumcised as males, as young children. And so as the gospel was going out to the Gentiles, those who did not practice circumcision, there were those that were saying, hey, unless you are circumcised, you can't be part of the church. That's a, that's a, that's a standard and it's interesting, it got such a big deal that, that people were discouraged in their faith because they were making it too hard to even become a follower of Christ. So they go back to the council in Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas are actually the ones who do this. And it's interesting, Jesus' half-brother, James. James stands up and he says these words. He says, um, he says it is my judgment, therefore... Now, what he says right before that is, we're making it too hard on these people to follow Christ. This is not an absolute. It's hard enough to follow Christ without putting all these other things in there of what it means to follow Christ. He says, and so it is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write them and we should tell them to abstain from food that is polluted by idols from sexual immorality, and from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. Okay. Now there's a reason for that which we're not going to get into today. By the way, you think Jesus' half-brother has a little bit of pull? They wrote a letter and wrote the exact thing down. <laughs> Said, you know, we've been thinking about it. We think it's a good idea for you to do these three things. Okay. So he had lots of pull, but I love the attitude. Why am I going to make it harder than it needs to be to follow Christ? Yes, it's hard to follow Christ. He says, you pick up your cross and you follow me. So I don't need to put any other barriers in the way because I'm already giving everything everything I am to Christ, why would I do that? I'm going to accept them. That means your value is so high to me that, that you can come near and fellowship with me. Now work down through this passage because he has, he has some other things he begins to teach them. So in verse, uh, look what it says in verse 13. He says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in and of itself. But, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it's unclean. Okay, so he says you got to obey your conscience. If, you're, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat... You are no longer acting in love. That's the second one. Now, I'm going to use the word generosity. We need, to, we need to show generosity to one another, which means that we're going to give grace sacrificially to those who are on the other side of a disputable issue. Now, why did I come up with that word generosity? For 300 years, the King James Version was the version that the common individual would read 
to be able to understand Scripture. It is probably the widest read English version of the Bible that has ever existed. And I want you to see what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now some of you, you'll say, oh, that's the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind, love is generous, love is not. I want you to see how for 300 years, most individuals would have read that passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's in your notes in the King James Version. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, and I have not charity, I have become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and knowledge, and although I have faith that could move mountains, if I have not charity, I'm nothing. And although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned, if I don't have charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long. And then he goes into what charity does. The translation for love, you will know it as agape, which everybody says, okay, well that's God's love. That's unconditional love. But I want you to know that the word agape means generosity or sacrificial affection and benevolence towards someone. The word benevolence means to show charity, to show compassion, to show generosity. So what is he saying there is he says that when it comes to disputable matters, not absolutes, not the biblical absolutes, not the, but he says on disputable matters where we can make a case on either side, he says, I am not only going to, as we talked about previously, not only am I going to uh, accept you and bring you close in fellowship, but I'm going to be generous, meaning I'm going to go a long ways to give you grace. Here's a third one. It'll be the fourth in your line because we had a challenge and three, I'm sorry, we had, a, we had a caution, don't judge, and three challenges. Let's look at the last one. Then he moves down through this passage and he says, verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Edification. Make every effort. He says, I'm going I'm to work really hard at this. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Now, isn't this interesting? You're doing something that technically is allowable, but it's hurting someone. Therefore, he says it's wrong. See, right and wrong is not based simply for the believer in Jesus Christ on what is absolute and what's not absolute. It's based on this third concept as well, and that is servanthood. Servanthood means that I am devoted to being helpful and supportive to that other person in their walk. Look at that passage again. He goes, he goes it is better, verse 21, not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about all these things, keep them between yourself and God. So what is he saying in this passage? He says, 
I am going to do everything I can out of love. We're a country that is huge on rights. And by the way, I appreciate my rights. I happen to declare my rights. I don't happen to think it's wrong to do so. Paul, when he was uh, going to be taken captive and was actually going to be taken out and executed and tried, he says, hey, I just want you to know I'm a Roman citizen. I have some rights. And so he wasn't afraid to utilize his rights in order to fulfill uh, the gospel and to fulfill his mission. But I want you to know that it always comes down on these disputable matters if I am a mature believer in Jesus Christ and I am a spirit-filled believer, which means I'm being led by the Spirit of God, that sometimes I'm going to withhold in order for the other person to be okay in their faith. My practice or my indulgence in this may be technically okay, but if it hurts someone else, it's not okay. Tammy and I have been walking uh, over the last couple of months. Uh, my gym obviously closed, and, and so, um, and, I, and I hate, I really hate walking. I just don't enjoy walking. Um, I don't like doing it in the gym. I'm more of a stairmaster. I'm an elliptical guy. Um, I like it when there's a TV in front of me. I just get bored out of my mind walking. Tammy got me to go. She got me out, and <clears throat> I'll tell you the first couple times I did it, man, it was everything I could do to go two miles and not be bored out of my, my mind. And, and I got to tell you, I'm really starting to like it. I, uh, we, we try to do uh, probably four or five days a week. We try to do uh, anywhere from, usually it's two and a half to three and a half miles. Uh, sometimes when we're dragging a little bit, we say, hey, let's just make it two miles. Let's just do that. Um, sometimes we make it harder than other times. We, we walk on, a, on, a, on a, a kind of a trail up in Fort Gratiot, which has a lot of nature, and I just, I like it. And it's become, for me personally, it's become an extension of my devotional time. Um, I, I did my devotions earlier in the morning, then we get up and we go out and we, we walk together and then we talk and it's kind of like we're on a little mini date and so we're talking a little bit about stuff going on and I, I really enjoy it. I mean, this is something we're going to keep doing, I'm sure. And I, when I first started walking, I, I just, Tammy's so bubbly and energetic and I'm like, oh, I just want to, I want to stroll. I can't tell you, my competition kicked in second or third time and, and, and I I, I push it pretty good. I push it pretty good for a guy. I have really short legs, so I can't walk as fast as some people can, but I can actually walk faster than Tammy. In fact, on most days, when I'm really got energy, I, 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 I could outwalk Tammy. I can go faster, and, and um, I learn something. And it's just, you know, sometimes I can't, but usually I can. But I've learned something. It's changed my whole world. I'm going to teach you a truth right here. It'll change your life. If you want to walk with someone, the slowest person sets the speed. I, I could, I could outwalk Tammy. I could, most days. But Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they agree to do so? So if I want to have fellowship with Tammy... If I want to talk with Tammy, and if I want to walk with Tammy, Tammy sets the speed. There are days I can challenge her to go a little bit faster. She can just only go so fast. Her, her, her shins begin to hurt, and her legs begin to cramp. And, and there's only, but, if, but, but if we're going to be together, 
she gets to determine the speed. Love determines the speed on disputable matters. And Paul says sometimes people just, they're not where you're at. So if you want to have fellowship, you're going to have to go to where they are. Love becomes the common denominator. Love God, love others. You say, well, I, I'm, I, I practice Christian liberty, and I believe that. You know what? That's fine. But if you're going to have fellowship, and you're going to, going to be with that person, you're going to walk together, you're going to have to slow it down, or they're going to constantly be living with a sense of guilt and shame in that relationship. Recently, I've talked to several individuals on this concept. It's uh, kind of like grieving. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. There's no length of time in order to grieve. But I will tell you this. If you're grieving and another person is grieving, the person who's taking the longest to grieve, they set the speed. This is important because we live in a day where, boy, if I can just kind of offend us a little bit, on this whole political thing, we, we have taken a position that anybody who's on the other side, they're not just wrong, they're evil. Now, I will tell you, I have very strong positions. And I have issues that are very important to me. But can I, can I tell you? Can I tell you? Because I've asked people. I've, I've actually, I've really asked people uh, that are friends of mine that are on the opposite side of the political gamut. How do you do this? Let me tell you five things Scripture talks about. And that's just five. Scripture addresses the right to life. Scripture also addresses social justice. In fact, Scripture addresses social justice issues. That means as being right within your culture of those who are being downtrodden and treated unfairly more than even on right to life. Scripture addresses our responsibility to the poor. Now, you may disagree on how to be responsible to the poor, but Scripture addresses that very strongly within the gospel. How we treat immigrants and aliens is addressed very strongly in Scripture. Morality, sexual morality, sexuality, and marriage is very strong within Scripture. And so as I talk to some of my friends, I say, hey, how can you... They'll, they'll look at me and they'll say, Phil, there are more things than just simply the ones you're focusing on. I disagree with them. I'd go as far as say I think I'm wrong. I think they're wrong. I'll be honest. On most days, I'm very frustrated. Some of you are passing judgment on me right now, <laughs> right? I understand it. That's why I'm preaching it without any of you here, <laughs> right? You can't yell at me until you call me later, right? This whole COVID. 19 thing. Isn't it interesting? We have such differences in opinion on how this whole thing ought to go down. When we talk about re-engagement, the church has been sharing with you that we're planning on re-engaging on the 6th and the 7th. Some, there will be some of you say, that is way too, too slow. 
Some will say, that's way too fast. Some of you say, we never should have shut down in the first place. Some of you say, you're being irresponsible. You know what's really interesting? Some look at this whole thing as being overblown. Some have a very real uh, sense of fear. They're looking at this as, hey, we need to take care of the most vulnerable in our society. Others are saying, you know what? We need to get this society going. And I have to believe that if a person is walking and loves the Lord, they may actually disagree with where we're at on this thing. They may disagree with you. Paul says this is, I would suggest this is a disputable matter. He says, I, 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 need to, I need to refrain from passing judgment. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to determine my spirituality. I'm not going to determine their spirituality. I'm not going to condemn them. I'm going to be gracious and generous. I'm going to be really long in generosity. I'm going to accept them. I'm going to have fellowship with them at the appropriate time. And I'm going to be a servant. And I just will have to understand that the slowest walker is going to determine the speed. Why? Because I want to have fellowship. And I want to walk together. You apply these into your family life. You apply these into your marital life. That's why this morning when I started, I said, Lord, don't speak to anybody else. Just speak to me. Paul concludes it with one verse and then we'll close. He says this. He says, verse 15. He says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Notice what he says here. He says, why? Because we do not live to ourselves, and we do not dive to ourselves. Verse 8, he says, I, he says, he says if we live, we, uh, I'm sorry, he says, for none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. We're all in this together. We're in this together, and so we're going to do everything we can to walk in unity. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you that you take the time to give me the very clear truths of Scripture, and then, Lord, you love me enough to address the finer details of real-life relationships. So many times the things that cause division between Tammy and myself or me and my family or, or even here in the body of Christ, it, it's, not, it's not the absolutes. It's so many times, Lord, it's on these other matters. Help me. Help me, Lord, to be very cautious about any kind of judgment. Lord, help me to love and be generous. Help me to to accept and help me to serve others. I would willingly give up so that others may grow. Check my spirit, check my attitude. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great week. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.